there is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Well, welcome to another thrilling podcast of the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I have on the line Ron Patton, my editor-in-chief. And we have a special guest tonight, Jay Dyer. And uh, we're going to be talking to him in just a bit. Uh, first of all, sorry, everybody. Uh, we took a little hiatus to get some shit done. Uh, we've been working hard on putting out some books, uh, books I think you find fascinating. ParanoiaPublishing.com, check it out. And uh, we're in the process of laying out our new issue. We actually, yes, it's been a year, but we have a new issue. I know nobody thought it would happen, but it has happened. There's some good stuff in there, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a real cornucopia of, of odd stuff, and I think that uh, it's going to have a, a new, nice, cleaner look. Uh, maybe a little kitschy, but it's going to be fun. So look for that. In it's the well worth the wait. Well worth the wait. Yes, very well worth the wait. So uh, with all that said, big apology from me and Ron. Uh, we try to get this done more on a more regular basis, but we're kind of irregular people, so it comes out irregularly. And uh, I do uh, apologize yourself Olaf. speak for yourself shut up ron so i think that uh i think that it you know we're gonna try really hard to get this out on a more uh more scheduled basis but you know we're, we're working on it but we we're a small operation and we're just trying to get stuff done okay so jay dyer uh ron you got the bio go hey well, Jay Dyer's uh, jaysanalysis.com has grown to become one of the premier film and philosophy sites on the Internet, showcasing the talents of Jay Dyer. His graduate work focused on the interplay of film, geopolitics, espionage, and psychological warfare. Jay is a public speaker, lecturer, comedian, author of the popular title Esoteric Hollywood, Sex, Cults, and symbols in film, as well as the host of the Jay's Analysis Podcast, Esoteric Hollywood. Jay is also a regular contributor to 21st Century Wire, Soul of the East, and the Espionage History Archive, broaching subjects as wide as satire, metaphysics, film analysis, theology, geopolitics, literature, and history, as well as interviewing numerous prominent figures. Jay has authored hundreds of articles already read by millions in just the past few years. Jay Dyer, welcome to the Paranoia Podcast. Thanks, dudes. Glad to be here. You know, I never knew you were a comedian, though. That That's news to me. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I did do stand-up. Mm. Quite a few times when I was in my early twenties, and then 
Uh, I've done several pretty kind of relatively popular um, YouTube videos that are pretty comedic. I would say they've got got uh, pretty good numbers. So, so tell me. I guess it's somewhat conspiratorial, but I, I've always heard the stories of the the secret book that every comic has. Well, I don't know that I'm. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I if I count as a as a comedian. I just I do a lot of impersonations and I do characters and uh-huh. do videos and then you know. So I don't. I've not been paid forever doing comedy. So that's okay. Some of the funniest yeah. people aren't. Cool. Well, I guess it's debatable. I was pro- probably a lot of people don't think I'm funny, so I don't know. You know, I, I think you're hysterical. Just so you know. That. How? Well, you didn't even know I was a comedian, so I don't believe. No, that. Oh, but well. I had. Yeah, yeah. I had a great conversation with you while you were drinking margaritas. I thought. You I were, forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I over, thought you were over burrito, over burritos. burritos and margaritas, burritos and margaritas. <laughs> where was this? Hella funny. Now where was this? Burrito where was this? <laughs> it was at the se- secret space conference. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, right. I think at the time we were talking, I think that Jay didn't even realize I was one of the speakers. Like, you know, no, was, I didn't. No, nah, you know, it was really weird. Like, I I left to go outside, and uh-huh. I I come back in. And the lady at the door is like, you don't have a pass. I'm like, well, of course I don't have a pass. And she's like, well, you need a pass to come in. I'm like, well, I'm going to speak in like 15 minutes. Uh, if you don't let me in, I'm not going to be able to fucking speak. They did that. She did that to me, too. I yeah. was hosting the fucking thing, and she did that to me. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you can't come in here. And I'm like, I've been hosting this since like 8 in the morning. <laughs> did, you, did you not see me on the stage like 10 times in a row <laughs> you did a good job though you know it was kind of dropped on you you did a really good job just for what it's worth well i tried to be funny in that if you remember I, oh yeah i was asked i was asked to do my nick cage impersonation and i i acquiesced i wasn't really feeling it but i did it it was yeah you pulled it off it well the the nick the nick cage impersonation is really good well there's a video I do 15 celebrity impersonations in nine minutes, and you can wow. find that video. It's pretty good. What's what's your best one? Mm, uh, good question. I don't. You know what's weird is that different people will say different ones are the better ones. Like some people think the Terrence McKenna is good. Some people think the mm-hmm. Rand Paul's good. Some people think Nick Cage. Some people think Alex Jones. So. Depends on the uh, the listener, I guess. Well, what's, yeah, I want to hear the Alex Jones one. Actually, I don't know why. That one's probably one of the more famous ones. I, I, that video, sure. there's I've done three or four videos of Alex Jones, and they've had I don't know five, ten thousand views. So those are pretty good. Well, if you spontaneously break into one, I'll, I'll just go with the flow. You want you want to hear my Alex Jones? Do it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, Do it. it. All right, I haven't done Bring it in a while. Out, so. <clears throat> It is Sunday 2008. We're going to be live for the next 73 hours. I have with me Ron Patton and Olav Phillips today. It is unbelievable. Folks, I have 17 stacks of news here before me. Hey, you got any cocaine? (laughs) Uh, Folks... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, there are stacks of. Co- it's like Tony Montana in here, folks. Okay. <laughs> How 
Oh, it's some mushrooms. <laughs> My face is... Oh. Well, if you want to talk to Terrence McKenna, I can tell you all about mushrooms. I voted for mushrooms for president in 2016. Wow. That's like a combination of uh, Mr. Rogers and Terrence McKenna, actually. No shit. Well, that's how he sounds to me. He sounds like a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, sa- Actually, he sounds like you know, he sounds but, like if a queer mushroom could talk, it would be the voice. Of I know, the which is weird because his brother Dennis sounds so different. You know? Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, Dennis McKenna. Yeah, just like yeah, it's weird. But uh, hey, Jay, I want to know basically what what's the what was the impetus, or if you had an epiphany to kind of like disseminate some of the topics that you talk about today? I mean, was there a time in your life where you said, wow, this is heavy. I want to talk about it. I want to share this with the world. Well, I get asked that question a lot. And yeah. uh, so a lot of people want to know what the motives are and what what are you all, what are you, why are you doing this? What are, what, well, one impetus for this, a very strong impetus is to not have a extremely angry 400 pound bitch screaming at me in a wage slave job that is yeah. a very strong yeah. impetus <laughs> sure hey at least oh, you're yeah. honest man at least you're i've honest. had that happen we so, all have yeah, yeah if, if yeah. you are in the wage slave position uh you mm-hmm. you probably want out unless you're like a sadomasochist or something so yeah. So one one motivation is uh, I wanted to be my own boss, and so I just started writing blog posts back in two thousand um, five or six. I think is when I started blogging, maybe seven, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. And uh, then I kind of got this crazy idea from uh, Michael Hoffman had done an analysis of conspiracy theory, the movie, and he kind of did like a a conspiracy analysis of a movie. And I thought, man, that's a, actually mm-hmm. a good idea. So I I thought I would try my hand at that because I like right. movies a lot. So I just started, just started throwing these blog posts up and I was doing it as a hobby for fun and never really thought much about it. And I was back in... I don't know, 2003, I started listening to Alex Jones, and mm-hmm. I was buying Paranoia Magazine back then, actually. Cool. Paranoia, yeah. Um, still got yeah. all those. Like Joan D'Arc and Al Hadell owned it. Yep, yep. yep. I still got all those uh, stacked in my library. So I was getting into, you you know, the conspiracy genre. I was reading Jim Mars and all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, I was also doing undergrad, and then um, so I was – taking philosophy classes and I was always interested in comparative religion and theater and Hollywood and all of it, movies. Mm-hmm. So uh, really what I wanted was just a way to combine all the things that I was interested in and put it all out there and to just sort of be multifaceted. You know what I mean? Because I, I didn't like right. the fact that like, if you, if you, t- if you do a normal nine to five type job, like you're, that's what you do. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. And right. I found that very, very limiting. So I wanted to come up with a way that I could, if I wanted to be, if I was in a comedic mood that day, I could do something comedic. If I wanted to mm-hmm. spend all the day discussing or writing about philosophy, doing that, 
you know what I mean, or geopolitics right. or whatever. So, so the message was a way to try to educate people at the same time as making a living and being ridiculous and you know all that at once. And so, that has been my goal, and that's what I've been trying to do. So, if you, if you can find a way to help people and be a positive force and make a living at it, I think that's the happiest that you could be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I actually I understand that because, you know, I, I, uh, I'm the executive producer for Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Right. And I think Clyde actually has basically the same philosophy. He looks at what he's doing as sort of like uh, education, you know, right. kind of putting out ideas, putting out theories for people to uh, to, uh, you know, consider. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's a form of entertainment, you know. Yeah. And so it's actually very, uh, um, you know, sort of dynamic instead of linear. And so well, I think I, if you find those, you know, you, you're onto something, and you're, you know, attracting more people to, you know, perhaps understand the the greater aspects of what's going on in the fucking world, you know? Well, some people bitch about infotainment, and I think that's ridiculous because, I'm sorry, but if you learn anything about human psychology and how humans operate, that's the only way that anybody's going to listen to you is if you can be... No, it's true. It's very true. Yeah. Very true. And I know that actually Olaf, you know, he was the uh, executive producer of Ground Zero many years ago. And that's what he really helped Clyde, you know, seeing that kind of vision. And that's what basically got Clyde into becoming nationally syndicated because he was able to do that. But, you know, you know, it's it's in a different format, different way than, let's say, you know, coast to coast with George Norrie. He does a great (laughs) job. But it's just a completely different type of perspective, you know. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I applaud you, Jay, because, you know, the thing, I've been following you for uh, a few years now, and it's sort of like, wow, this is great. It's, it's so refreshing to see somebody who's so articulate, yet, you know, has a certain amount of humility about himself. And it's kind of like, hey, this is what I want to impart, you know, in terms of like the esoteric shit that's mm-hmm. going on in the world, whether it be in politics or in the inter- entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like things are really coming to fruition for you, you know, in terms of a certain amount of success. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I didn't really expect things to go this way. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely mm-hmm. very thankful to a lot of people who right. have been have been very cool all along the way. And definitely, you know, I include you and, and Clyde in that for having me on. That's I was always a blast to to be on there and to have those conversations. Right. And we're going to have you on, you know, on other shows. But it's just, uh, you know, it's just very refreshing to have somebody like yourself, you know, on the show and, you know, Honestly, Clyde loves you, so cool. We look forward to having you back on. Yeah, well, um, I just I think uh, movies can be an excellent medium for you know waking people up. Just I mean I know that's kind mm-hmm. of cliche, but 
I know Olaf thinks that too. I mean, we I remember oh, yeah. we had a lot of yeah. conversations about kind of bad movies and goofy <laughs> movies, and for sure, uh, you know, the, the presentation I did at the space program was uh, was Hollywood and Bond and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. predictive programming. So, you know, I thought a book would would be perfect on that, but I didn't really have any. Um, I didn't really have it together then, and it just right. it all just kind of came together, you know, in the last year and a half. So, so I'm very thankful to Chris, you know, we're trying and to Sean Stone <laughs> and everybody that helped bring it together. So, I think it's a great a great medium for people. A lot of times, people aren't interested in um, geopolitics or uh, something that might be too bureaucratic i guess or yeah. you know what i mean well, it's, but, it's but everybody dry. likes movies it's everybody dry. likes movies so. yeah yeah it's dry it's dry um so it's like watching paint peel i mean it you know when you try to when you try to sit there and, and explain to somebody the geopolitical situation in crimea or right. ukraine and it's like yeah. watching paint dry you know i remember when i took international relations i did a uh a presentation on uh, nuclear proliferation and you know when i sat there saying oh well you know there's a lot of bombs everybody's like uh, you know luckily it was before facebook but when i actually i had a series of graphics that, that were designed to demonstrate how many bombs there really are that you know i was like you know it could rain for like 40 days and 40 nights bombs and you know we still wouldn't run out of nuclear weapons and then suddenly everybody's like what what it can rain nuclear weapons what what you know it, you know you gotta you know that that notion of infotainment that notion of making it more palatable i mean you mm-hmm. do an amazing job at it you know thanks i, I mean yeah like if you wanted to talk about the Rand Corporation, it'd be very difficult, be very boring. But if you talk about Dr. Strangelove, <laughs> people will listen because that's about the Rand Corporation. For sure. I mean, yeah, the Rand. And it's like uh, there's a guy named Adam Curtis who, who makes documentaries for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, he did uh, he did a whole thing on game theory and game theory by mm-hmm. itself. You know, I'm lucky. I, I work with a cup with a guy who's a mathematician and another mm-hmm. guy who who's got a very high level of education. I can sit there and and actually talk about game theory with them. And and it's interesting to me, but you know, it'd be like watching paint dry, right? But if you if you get out there and and like Adam Curtis did with game theory and he's starting to put movies into it like you do and you know, and he's talking about fuck you buddy and all this other stuff. The minute you say fuck, everybody's like what what what? And then they're suddenly interested. So Yeah, that's why I put sex in the top of the book <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. so so obviously you watch a lot of movies uh yeah i, I guess i would say that yeah so, i mean i'm sure you've actually you've probably seen a lot more obscure stuff than i have i mean i i maybe I don't think well, so. you had a conversation. You were talking about stuff, and yeah. I, I had no idea what you were talking about. So, <laughs> so I'm sure you've got me top. You've got me top, Mr. Anomalous wow. himself, Olaf Phillips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I the 
there's a guy, uh, Phil Learness, he made a movie called The Truth Is Out There. And mm-hmm. and he's you know, he makes movies. I mean he's like a director, you know, he he's mm-hmm. in the director's guild and all that. And I was having a conversation with him about obscure science fiction films because he he does a podcast uh, with with Dean Hagelin and they, they mm. wanted to do like a top 10 obscure movies and I was like well if you want an obscure film you know you want the Paul Newman movie that nobody's ever heard of called Quintet and he's like Quintet Quintet mm-hmm. and he, he like sat there for five minutes going Quintet I've heard of that Quintet I'm like you know it's a that, lot of that's a dystopian film right yeah that's a dystopian film it's like yeah. and it, it, it's a very bizarre film to watch but and he's right. like oh my god I haven't seen that in like 30 years you know and it's like the yeah. movie everybody forgets that Paul Newman made <laughs> yeah exactly right but it's significant Yo. it's a significant film like Zardoz I feel like Zardoz is significant oh, yeah. and oh, I, I talk I talk totally. to people all the time never heard of it and they're like they're like or they, they got the book and I've got this little chapter on Zardoz and they're like I never saw this uh, Sean Connery movie you're talking about where he's dancing around in this, these underwear. Yeah, he wears a diaper for like the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. He wears a diaper and, and carries uh, a 38, and and he 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 invades a he invades a utopian a utopian society that's run by a central computer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and they're sort of like the gods. It's the Elysian Fields, and it's like an AI smart grid, kind of like a central tabernacle they call it that also has the ability to to re- regenerate people yeah it stores and, their con- uh, it stores their consciousness in crystals yep. and then it downloads exactly. them in bodies yep yeah and it has actually has quite a bit of uh, sort of openly masonic symbology in it so I, I, that's why i included i was like holy crap there's this guy like everything conspiratorial and predictive programming in it and you know and plus i felt like it would be neat to have a chapter or a section of the book that was just kind of those uh, 70s goofy campy sci-fi dystopias well i mean like the, logan's run the head the head the flying head i mean every time i see that head yeah. it reminds me of the the knights templar and baphomet the the baphomet symbol that supposedly was in the mm-hmm. you know that this old man head and it's like mm-hmm. it's like baphomet's head flying around through space like vomiting <laughs> guns you know i'm like wow it's vomiting guns doesn't get any better than yeah that. and there's that weird line about semen and like the gun shooting and the dick shooting sperm and it's just all oh, yeah. that stuff in this movie and and when when the uh when the computer is like downloading all the information into his head and he's like wigging <laughs> out that's i mean it's classic he's like spinning around and there's like prisms and he's wearing yeah. a diaper and there's a head floating i gotta watch this there's i have naked, to watch naked, this naked people and yeah yeah you're tripping out literally yeah you're tripping out yeah, yeah. it's sardoz <laughs> is quite a film <laughs> it's 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 different well, well the the other thing that that i found interesting you know the elysian fields thing is you know how they had when when everything had gone awry right and that original group had built the tabernacle and and Mm -hmm. they they lived in this like manor house right but what what they had done is they had actually sectioned off the earth and said okay well the violent enforcers will be over here and then we're going to have like a transparent wall and then the agrarian Mm -hmm. people are over here and we'll occasionally we'll let the violent enforcers in to to um, motivate them to grow more you know i mean they had like sectioned. so they have like a break they have a breakaway civilization 
organization and oh, yeah. yeah it's like a yeah. total agenda 21 meets mm-hmm. masonry meets transhumanism yeah. future right yep it's for sure and that's not and then there's logan's run i mean where to start with that movie <laughs> carousel <laughs> 40 carousel <laughs> Yeah, the the twenty twenty third century where pleasure rules in a synthetic society society. Excuse me. Yep. Yeah, I thought that one was fun too, and it was it was worth including because it's basically the myth of allegory, the allegory of the cave. You know, if you remember the end where they yep. where they come out of the uh, really control nice. grid that basically looks like Epcot Center, and that's funny because if you go to Epcot Center, Epcot when it was built, it kind of listed itself as the community of the future. Uh And the whole futurism, cosmism that surrounded the planning of Disney and Epcot uh, was very predictive programming oriented, if you recall. Uh, I know that when I, I mean, I was a kid in the early 80s, so when I went, there was a lot of that same imagery there. And then I, I went again about five years ago, and it was updated obviously but it was all the same mythology it was like in the future you're going to live in this totally planned community planned society it's all going to be run by the central ai grid you're going to have total panopticon surveillance and it's like oh let's see how great it is see how great it is and then Mm -hmm. you're watching logan's run and you see this little plastic crappy model of the city (laughs) it looks like epcot center and you're like holy shit well and then uh and then they went and did it i mean they built celebration which is basically yes celebration right you know it's a plan it's a disney plan you know planned city and it Mm -hmm. has all that shit built into it yes and the siemens corporation and the department of defense they're all intimately tied into epcot so what you get get out of this is that the deep state you know the the military industrial complex uh, all of that is literally behind these what seems to be a fun playland is actually part of you know where they want to take things in the future Right, but you, right. you know they always did that. I mean, you can look at the computer that wore tennis shoes. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, say that again. Look at what now. The computer that wore tennis shoes, the old Kurt Russell movie. You know, they've always oh, had that, that kind okay. of bend. You know, they're it, right. You know, they reprogram his brain to make him a, a walking human computer. I mean, if that's not transhumanist. Oh, I have not thought about that in a long time. Well, that is well you know, weird. you know, it's it's actually apparently true that that uh, the last thing that that uh, Walt Disney wrote before he died was Kurt Russell. He wrote right. he wrote Kurt Russell's name on a piece of paper and then went and, like keeled over. Yep. Boom. Yeah. Well, it's interesting about Walt Disney. What, what, do, you, what do you make he, of that? Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. Well, there it. it Kurt Russell was in a number of films when yeah, he was young right. in the Disney. Right. It was Disney almost, are- yeah, and he knew Disney and and he Kurt Russell. When people have asked him about that, he's like, I have no idea. But, <laughs> but like Kurt Russell was on Disney's mind, like as he died, huh. and it. Huh. Uh, and the the prevailing theory is that he had a new movie that he wanted Kurt Russell to be in. 
Oh, okay. Uh, but it's it's still interesting because I mean, you, you take a look at the computer that wore tennis shoes. I mean, it's a it's a transhumanist kind of movie. I mean, he you know they mm-hmm. turn him into a walking computer. I mean, how much more transhumanist can that be? <laughs> interesting. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. I'll stay away yeah. from the incredible Mr. Limpet though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you remember remember Daryl D A R R Y L from oh, the eighties yeah. for sure. You know, it's funny because I thought about doing a Daryl analysis, and then I was like, "Well, I did an analysis of AI, and AI <laughs> is like Daryl on acid." So yeah, that's true. <laughs> do it, man. Did you Make do it happen? Did you do uh, Escape from New York? <clears throat> No, actually, that's funny you said that. That's that is on the list. I'm I'm going down the full John Carpenter canon. So, oh, okay. Uh, I've not hit Escape from L.A. or New York, but I did get to uh, Prince of Darkness. Um, um, I just uh, the Apocalypse trilogy. So, uh, neck. What's I? I, I lack. Um, in the mouth of madness, this is the only one I like there, the last one. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did do Big Trouble in Little China. Um, I better read that one. That one was fun. I, I did that a long time ago, so the right my writing I think is a lot better than it was five or six years ago. But it was it's still insightful. I think it's interesting. But oh, it's an interesting movie from from that point of view. I mean, the occultist stuff in Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, it's everywhere. Yes, the like the Chinese black magic and the underworld. The the hero always goes on the trip to the underworld, which is a the theme of the catabasis in the mm-hmm. in Greek literature. But but yet also uh, it also gets into human trafficking. And if you remember, because the the Asian girls are being trafficked by low pan. That's absolutely right. <laughs> they yep. are. And, and it's not accidental that that was uh, San Francisco because mm-hmm. that has been a locale for human trafficking in terms of Asian, you know, like triads and that kind of stuff. Well, and also it, it taps into the myth that exists of the, uh, the secret tunnels under San Francisco. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I, uh, and even Portland, Oregon here. I did an analysis of uh, True Detective <laughs> 1 and 2, both seasons, and that came up in season 2. They wow. referenced the, uh, the, the, the tunnels under L.A. Well, mm-hmm. if, if you want Oregon, you got to do the Goonies. I did do Goonies. I did. <laughs> well, I, go. In fact, I, I did Goonies about three weeks ago. <laughs> wow. Better read that I one. I finally got to it. And uh, <laughs> I'd actually noticed some really crazy shit in Goonies that I'd never noticed. I grew up watching that movie a million times. And uh, right. I thought, I've, I've got to get to Goonies. I've been wanting to analyze that for years. So I watched Well, Astoria, right? Astoria? Is that where it. it was filmed? John Jacob Astor. And you get into the whole history of uh, his right. uh, empire of fur trading, which... Then mm-hmm. turn to drug running, right? Uh, and the Astors, John Jacob Astor was a level Mason, and he was yep. part of a famous lodge in New York. Yeah, and that's all true, by the way. So I actually dug up the, one of the uh, so-called Illuminati families. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. I dug up the actual historical uh, documents from the lodge, which are archived right. online. 
That's all true. <laughs> so now how does that relate to Goonies? Well, because the Goonies are the outcasts, right? They're the right. What do they would they say it several times in the film? I forget how they you know, we're the rejects, we're the outcasts, we're the Goonies, blah blah blah. They're the other. And they discover the pirate history of their of their of their hometown. So it's more or less like a Masonic mystery code that they decode, like a Nick Cage uh, national treasure type thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all about the pirates. And, of course, the pirates, the pirate flag is the flag of Skull and Bones, and it is the you know, the Jolly Roger and all that that Jordan Maxwell talked about for years. Everybody knows that. Right. But the point being, uh, two interesting things about the film that I noticed that I'd never seen was – was that one that uh, the, the they're the heroes because they're they're the anti-heroes in much the same way as the pirates are portrayed as the heroes because <laughs> the founding families of the you know the big the big oligarchic families uh, they're above the law they're they're the uh, they're the pirates right mm-hmm. and so in other words the Goonies figure out that it's all a scam. <laughs> Right. Well, like how, how rulership and oligarchy comes about is through transcending boundaries of law and operating outside of law. Right. And that's that's why Skull and Bones has the Skull and Bone imagery because they run the freaking drugs. It's a it's a secret society that runs drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you're. That's where the CIA comes from. All that we know that. Okay. The other thing I noticed is that Spielberg does this all the time in movies. Is that he sets into motion a cause and effect chain reaction sequence that is a Rube Goldberg machine. So if you're not familiar with yeah. Rube Goldberg, yeah, you'll you'll know it's the kind of goofy machine where you kind of uh, a bowling ball drops and then it knocks a chicken egg into a bowl <laughs> which drops and mm-hmm. you know it's like this uh, right. really wacky kind of machine i'm sure you've, if you've ever played the game mousetrap right you've, you're familiar with the rube goldberg machine right uh so what spielberg does the reason he puts that in his movies i think all the time is that it's the storylines in the films are a series of chain react chain reactions that begin, you know, with sort of the opening sequence or whatever. Now, Goonies has that at the beginning where, when the Fratellis escape the the jail, it sets into motion a series of events that sparks the whole adventure, and hence then you know the Goonies discovering the secret of Astoria and all that. And so that's why. <laughs> that's actually referenced several times in the film, right? The booby trap. A booby trap is a Rube Goldberg machine. So that's why you see a Rube Goldberg machine in Back to the Future, at the beginning. Doc has one set up in his lab. So this is a thing that that obviously occupies some level of fascination in Spielberg or Dick Donner. Right, or Robert so it's Zemeckis a reoccurring theme in different films. Yes, yes. and I think it's... Well, it could suggest many things, but it, it suggests, um, well, say like in Back to the Future, mm-hmm. you have this initiation of a sequence of events that it's almost causally determined. 
Right. And the whole the whole point of what Marty wants to do in Back to the Future is escape being causally determined, escape being the result of his parents' weaknesses and failures uh, to escape the limitations of time, basically. Uh, and that is the plot of the whole trilogy, uh, actually, of, of Back to the Future. Because if you remember in the first one, you know, he wants to correct the the failures of George McFly and Lorraine. Right. He, he wants George has to grow some balls. <laughs> so that's why Marty goes back and tells him, you know, to punch Biff and so forth. Then in the second one, he goes into the future because it, it, and, and Marty has to learn that he, Marty has to fix the uh, the alternate series of events that he accidentally caused, which led to Biff becoming president, which is very much like a Donald Trump type character. Interestingly, yeah. Yeah, because he owns a casino. He's got, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they literally reference it like it's Trump. I'm not joking. So, right. Oh, well, true, Trump had a casino. Yeah. Now, if that sounds far fetched, uh, Gremlins 2 explicitly references Trump. Uh, the whole movie is about clamp or clump industries or something like that. And uh-huh. it's, uh, even mainstream news has done stories about how it's, it was a parody of Trump. And of course, Gremlins 2 has the reference to, you know, 9-11 um, in several places. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I don't think it's a stretch here to consider the possibility that a lot of these Spielberg movies, I think, do have pretty substantial references to predictive programming to Kabbalistic exactly. themes, you know, all this yep. kind of stuff. So that's, that's what I've been writing about recently. I've done a couple of uh, back to the future analyses and Goonies and stuff like that. So have, mm-hmm. have you ever done high plains drifter or any of the man with no name trilogy? Any of the what? The man with no name trilogy, good, the bad and the ugly high plains drifter. Oh, Sergio. No, I, I haven't. Um, I mean, I, I like uh, Clint Eastwood and, and Spaghetti Westerns and all that, but actually I've really just kind of focused on the um, just a lot of the sci-fi fantasy dystopian mm-hmm. genres. I haven't really... Kind of like Philip K. Dick type movies? Yeah, I mean, I branched out into some Hitchcock and Bond and right. Espionage but and some David Lynch but um, and some of the classics, you know, like Kubrick and stuff like that, but... But I mean, yeah, I would definitely eventually like to branch out into other classics, I guess you could say. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, he's cl- clearly an anti-hero, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, in I think it's High Plains Drifter where they rename the city, they paint the city red, they light it on fire, and it says "Welcome to Hell." Mm. So okay. you know, there there's some obvious stuff in those. Well. There's so many that I need to get to. I mean, it's I, I get embarrassed when people ask because I like I haven't. You shouldn't get. Like I still, I still haven't done Metropolis. I mean, I really need to oh, do that. I, I really do need Metropolis. Yeah. Um, what, shit, what else? Oh, I, I haven't gotten into any of the Jodorowsky movies. There's a, there's a lot of really crazy stuff in those too. Well, jo- so. Jodorowsky movies. I mean, you can make an entire career just doing Jodorowsky movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they're insane. Yeah. They're just I mean, I I watched the the documentary about when he was going to make Dune mm-hmm. before Lynch took it over and it's just right. it's just insane. It's just utterly insane. I just I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, it 
just watch the documentary. I mean, what he was going to do. And you know what's interesting is that in the documentary itself, you know, he points out that all these things that they had wanted, he had brought all these people together to make the movie. And. And all these guys, when they they stopped trying to make Dune because it just wasn't going to happen, you know, they went off and made Alien, and they went off and made all these other movies, and you mm-hmm. can you can see, you can see the stuff that they actually picked off, you know, cherry picked out of Dune that they did mm-hmm. like Alien. I mean, it's especially the Geiger stuff is really really clear. Mm. Yeah, didn't didn't. Uh... Salvador Dali asked for like a million dollars a minute. Yeah, <laughs> Something he, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, he wanted a million dollars a minute. So and and then uh, <laughs> and a helicopter and like Orson Welles needed to have his have his favorite chef flown in. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know my favorite my favorite Orson Welles movie. Orson Welles movie. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, Citizen Kane, Citizen." No, 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 no. F Hold on, f- let me guess. Let me guess. F for fake. F is for fake. Oh God, yes! The part where he's sitting at the table and he's got this bib on, he's got this and his muumuu, and he's got this huge plate of oysters, yeah. <laughs> and he and he's just talking, and he and he, he motions the guy over. He's like, oh, "Come here, come here! I, yeah, you can take this plate away." And he's like still doing the documentary while he's like eating and and handing plates to like you know to like uh, waiters, and it, it's just. And then Future Shock. Future Shock's my second favorite. It's it's touch of evil. Touch of evil is great too. With that, oh yeah, with that um, opening single single shot, you know. Um. Well, the thing the thing about uh, the thing about Future Shock is just like his delivery. Like he's like, we're all just bombarded with technology. It causes a kind of shock. A future shock, and he's like, "Oh my god, I just thought of something amazing." I mean, but I like I like in Effort Fake how uh, he just shows that model he was dating Coda, whatever name. He just shows her ass for like Oya Kodar. Yeah, Oya Kodar. Well, that's the funny thing when you watch the movie. I forget exactly how long it is. Let's let's say for the sake of argument, it's seventy-seven minutes, right? And he and he's standing in a railway terminal in in France. It's in Paris. It's it's the main Paris uh, uh, train terminal, right? And he's like Mm -hmm, doing magic tricks to these two little kids, and he's like, you know, once upon a time I was a poor guy, and I'm doing tricks, and look, I can pull, I can make change fall from your head, and all this shit. And and he says, this movie's about fakes, and it's it's actually a really good movie. But he says this movie's about fakes and charlatans, and I'm a fake and mm-hmm. I'm a charlatan and all this shit. Yes. And then he says, I'm going to tell you the absolute truth for 63 minutes. I want to tell you again. I'm going to tell you the absolute truth for 63 minutes. But I'm also lying. <laughs> but I'm also lying. Right. And then he then he says then he goes on and on and on. He says, "I want to right. remind you again that I'm going to tell you the absolute truth for 60 yeah. minutes." And so then well, he goes that's on. all neurolinguistic programming. That's right, all NLP. Right. Yeah, exactly. And well, then, but here's I think- Here's the kicker. So he gets to the 61 minute mark, and he and he tells this story of Oya Kodar, who his 
Mew's girlfriend, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and she she was like, you know, do, what was it? Picasso was like hot for her. And it's mm-hmm. and, and as Jay pointed out, it's literally like 17 minutes of of her walking around in about the skimpiest shit that he could get away with, <laughs> showing her uh-huh. butt and watching people like like trip as she walks by and 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 like run into walls and shit like that. And then at the end at the end of this, you know, 17 minutes of watching her ass, he goes, "That's all bullshit." Ha 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 ha. End of movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that by the way I, I don't know. I just was thinking when I was watching it, the thought occurred to me. Is this also the first mockumentary? Did this st- start the trend of the mockumentary? You know, I think it did. I mean, there there's a very – when you watch it, when he's talking about uh, Elmir and uh, – what's his name? The, uh, Clyde – is it Clyde or Clyde? The guy who wrote the, the fake uh, diaries of Howard Hughes. Of Howard Hughes, yeah. yeah. You know, there, there's a kind of um, sarcasm to the whole thing <laughs> that I, I think is pretty yeah. clear. So, yeah. Yeah, it, Absolutely. In many, I mean, he definitely mocks you at the end, but at, at the whole thing, yeah. And I, I think there's also some mocking when he there's a part where he's he's sitting in a um, film editing bay, and he's got stacks of of like 16 millimeter canisters all over him, right? right. But yeah. they're they're all blank. There's no there's no words on them. I mean, I own I own a number of 16 millimeter movies of like you know old, you know in search of and all you know uh, in right. search of ancient astro all this really old, you know kind of um, 60s and 70s UFO documentaries, cryptozoology. I get this big stack of movie canisters right for it, and and on all of them there's like sharpies and and drawings and schematics and all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. shit. He's sitting in a film bay. And it's all stacked around him, and it's all blank. I mean, they're all they're different colored ones, and but they're all fake. And I, I yeah. think he was a very meticulous guy. And I think that there's a point to that that he's oh, he's absolutely, show, yeah. yeah that, that films are fake, and and he's surrounded by fakery, and he's a fake himself. So, for <laughs> what it's worth. Well, that's kind of the point uh, in Mulholland Drive too, when you know the when. Naomi Watts goes to Club Silencio and there's all this weird performance going on and the, the whole point of the performance is no high bando right there is no band mm-hmm. and you you think you think this band is playing but it's actually a tape and there's people pretending to play right <laughs> and uh, the the point being that uh, what you think is the story is not really the story because the whole point mm-hmm. of Mulholland Drive, well, part of the point of Mulholland Drive is that Naomi Watts, you know, thought she was going to go out to Hollywood and from the Midwest, this prairie muffin, and she's going to be the next Greta Garbo or whatever. And she ends up a schizophrenic, multiple personality crack whore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the story is not what you think it is. Right. So where is and, Mulholland Drive located, actually? Actually, I was just on it this uh, few months ago. Uh, uh-huh. J- Jamie and I went to uh, to Hollywood, and we, sp- right. we spent I don't know three weeks out there uh-huh. visiting and checking out stuff. And when you go into um, well, it's not far from actual quote Hollywood area, right? Uh, but it's kind of it goes up into the 
Lookout Mountain area. So you drive up mm-hmm. this road, Mahon Drive, and you go all the way up to where Lookout Mountain Studios was that uh, Dave McGowan's written about. And mm-hmm. that was the uh, secret Air Force studio where they filmed uh, the atomic bomb footage and all this kind of stuff. And right. it was... Um, we don't actually know everything that they that they produced, but it was thousands of supposedly thousands of films, um, mm-hmm. and all of the top A list people at that time back in the fifties right. had access to it. So mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant, Walt right. Disney, Marilyn Monroe, all of these people had access to this. They were doing right. things at this secret uh, Air Force studio, and we mm-hmm. don't really know what, but. Right. That's all true. I, it's uh, the house is now it's now house is Jared Leto's house of all people. Uh-huh. And uh, when you drive up the road, you go up Mahon Drive and then you turn onto Wonderland Avenue, uh-huh. and you come all the way up to the very end of the road, and there's this big, ugly, old Bauhaus looking facility that's converted into a house, and there's still some of the Air Force memorabilia around so you, you can actually see old signs that say you know property of u.s air force and stuff like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even still does that go up it's weird yeah wow yeah i took pictures then it's real pictures equal real <laughs> no i didn't well, i didn't photoshop them they're real <laughs> right but I didn't see Jared Leto. I guess he was being the Joker right. in Suicide Squad. So, right. Yeah, there, so who who is who is the director of the uh, Mulholland Drive movie? David Lynch. Okay, and uh, also Stanley Kubrick. I know that uh, Olaf has a interesting fascination with Stanley Kubrick for several reasons. Can you kind of like? maybe elaborate on Stanley Kubrick in regard to sort of his, uh, whether it's his esoteric knowledge. I mean, he's a real enigma. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, you know, a lot of spurious theories about Stanley Kubrick Mm -hmm. regarding uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, maybe also filming the uh, the so-called moon hoax. Can you maybe elaborate on Stanley? And well, I get asked that a lot, and yeah, I'll, just to be honest, I always say, I mean, I'm not really a Kubrick expert. What I did was I, I chose, right. you know, three or four films from big directors, and I, I what I do is film analysis. So I'm not, sure. and I understand that, you know, understanding Kubrick to some degree is part of the film analysis. So I'm not, I'm not denying uh-huh. that, but. I, I don't know. I mean, I get I get asked this all the time, and I don't know what Kubrick's motives were. I mean, I would tend to think he was probably, as an artist, you know, he he was sincere. Um, right. He probably wanted to get the truth out. I tend to think that, uh, right. even though he was probably corralled into that older sort of leftist. Um, you know, just what was considered normative for anybody in Hollywood just to be left. I mean, Spartacus, you know, was considered uh, Marxist propaganda. And in a way right. it is kind of because it's the slave revolt and all that. But, mm-hmm. but you I mean, you see these really interesting themes that emerge consistently in Kubrick films like uh, human trafficking or elite uh, pedophilia. I mean, these are right. consistent Kubrick themes from Barry Lyndon to Eyes Wide Shut to uh, mm-hmm. Shining. 
right. Lolita, right? Uh, as well as other, you know, all, all kinds of other themes too. So I just picked Eyes Wide Shut in 2001 and The Shining uh, because right. I thought those were oh, yeah. pretty, very, pretty seminal very standout films, yeah. right? And, um, but but I, I differ with Jay Wiedner. Um, I mean, I like Jay Wiedner stuff a lot, and uh, we have a lot in common. But um, I, I just I think that The Shining is a traditional ghost story. I think it's about mm-hmm. things like possession, and it's a critique of America. Right. Uh, so I'm not discounting the moon theory, but mm-hmm. it's just not the focus that I put on it. I think Eyes Wide Shut is about elite. Sex oh, yeah. and sex magic. I think that's what it's about. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I've uh, actually been in touch with several MK Ultra survivors, mm-hmm. and they really point out to that movie as being really accurate in terms of yeah, some of the so. stuff they've gone through. So I definitely think that he was on to something, you know, again, based upon these mm-hmm. I, very legitimate uh survivors of mk ultra who are basically echoing the same sentiments well you know the other movie you have to watch if you want that kind of uh illuminati parties and and how the system works is uh was a brotherhood of the bell yeah it is good i've seen that yeah that's kind of that skull and bones approach yeah it's literally Mm -hmm. how skull and bones operates right basically made a movie called the brotherhood of the bell yeah that was kind of updated too if you saw that uh 2000, 2001, or maybe 1999, Paul Walker film, uh, The Skulls. You know, I never saw that one. It's worth watching. I mean, okay. it's very similar mm-hmm. to Brotherhood of the Bell. Yeah, I've heard very, about that. Yeah, yeah. Very much the same theme. It's not, not not a great movie, but it's definitely worth watching. Um, Society is a B-movie from the 80s that is the same, uh, has the same themes. Uh Kill List, an independent movie that's more recent, has that theme. Oh, what else is there? Um, I don't know, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could come up with more that would. Uh, well, you know, you know uh, the one. The one. Star, Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes has that theme. Um, go ahead. Well, you know, well the Star Chamber too. I mean, it's obviously it's it's kind of structured in the the police. Right, but it's still, you know, a secret society of police guys that sit around and deal out justice. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, I, I argue too that you can kind of derive this, this, these, these same themes in, uh, well, I, what I, I roughly call the Hollywood trilogy of Lynch, Lost Highway, Mahal oh, sure. Drive, and Inland, Inland Empire. All those three all have. Uh, the same kind of idea going of you know Hollywood human trafficking porn industry elite sex parties and sex magic and so forth. You know uh, another movie you might check out uh, Executive Action with Burt Lancaster. Yeah, you know people have been telling me that and I haven't I haven't gotten around to it. It, it basically lays out the Kennedy assassination. Okay. And mm-hmm. it, it literally is like the Kennedy assassination. They don't like. It's not like, it's not like Capricorn one where you know they they moved the moved it from the moon to Mars, right? Because originally mm-hmm. Capricorn one was was supposed to be the moon, and then mm-hmm. they changed it to be Mars because they thought the moon would be too uh, controversial. Mm-hmm. But in executive action, it's literally like we're going to go kill JFK. It's good. I mean, it's yeah. Bert, it's Burt Lancaster. I mean, you have to like Burt Lancaster, but yeah. it's good. 
Well, uh, parallax view is good too. I've, oh, always, yeah. I've always liked that, and that's kind of that same theme of you know getting of, of a private corporate run MK Ultra <laughs> with the Patsy. <laughs> You know, you know the MK Ultra movie. You gotta watch his uh, mission. Was it uh, Mission Kill? Have you ever seen that mission one? Mission Kill. I think yeah. it's Mission I Kill. I thought I'd seen every MK Ultra movie. Oh no, no, I haven't seen that. I think it's Mission Kill. It's got Leslie Nielsen and uh, who's the guy who's okay. Frank Poole in um, 2001? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Lockwood. Okay. And okay. Basically, it's a it's an assassination school with uh, mind oh. contr- mind control people running in Manila, and uh, Leslie Nielsen in uh, this. I want to if I remember correctly, he falls in love or well as much as he can. He mm-hmm. kind of falls in love with this girl, and they t- and she's a mind control assassin, and they take off, and Gary Lockwood's like hunting them down. <laughs> Huh, okay. Yeah. Mission. Yeah. Oh, you can always count on Olaf to throw you a new one. I know. <laughs> There's always something. Well, I mean, I was. Th- you two chat. I'm I was thinking confirm about the name. Yeah, I was thinking about Telephon with Charles Bronson. Oh, yeah, Telephon. Telephon. Was, Telephon. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. yeah. You can't beat that in terms of like understanding, you know, the hypno warrior mm-hmm. assassin that's, you know, triggered by uh, uh, words or a poem or something, you know. That's, yeah, that's classic. It's it's well, one of the- project 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 kill Leslie Nielsen, Nancy Kwan, Gary Lockwood. And basically, Leslie Nielsen, Nancy Kwan are like a like an item, and they they try to break free, and they're pursued by Gary Lockwood. And and what was the name of it one more time? It's called Project Kill. Project Kill. Okay. Yeah. yeah there, there's. Uh, did you see that more recent independent movie uh, Kill List? I have not nope. yet, but it's on my list. Yeah, that that it's pretty brutal. I, I'm not uh, as I get older, I, I kind of shy away from the the violence. You know what I mean? But uh, it's, so it's pretty brutal. I didn't really care for the violence in that movie, but the message of the movie is uh, well, it's not it's not symbolic. It's very in your face. So I'll, I'll say that. But yeah, it pretty much lays it out. I mean, in terms of. British aristocracy and <laughs> cults and uh, murder, ritual murder, and all that. So, so this was a, a recent release. Yeah, yeah, it was mm, 2014 or 15, I think. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, hey, Jay, I wanted to kind of get back to uh, esoteric Hollywood. Sure. And it appears that you go as far back as Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. So, um, what are some of the interesting characteristics about Alfred Hitchcock and some of the movies that he put out in terms of whether it's esoteric or propaganda or a combination of both? Well, uh, I, I discovered some interesting facts about Hitchcock that, uh, that I think maybe not everybody knew. For example, he did work closely with British intelligence and he was in the Corda circle. Yeah. And, um, he filmed some war footage actually for the British ministry of information. So he wasn't, you know, just, uh, this kind of organic director that just rose to the through the ranks or whatever. He was, he was very much tied into the, the power structure and, 
you know, he, he, he's a, he himself is a fascinating character. You could do a whole, obviously a whole book on him. People have done thousands mm-hmm. of books on him. Sure. But, uh, I, I just chose a couple that I thought stood out that obviously everybody's I'm sure has seen North by Northwest and vertigo, <laughs> but there's a lot of themes in North by Northwest and vertigo that relate to reality. And that's what I, what I do in my book is kind of mm-hmm. pick out what's in these films that, that is real. And I think right. that that's what's what's the most interesting thing that most people are not aware of is that a lot of this stuff's real. You know what I mean? A lot of what you see, for example, in North by Northwest, the nascent CIA is one of the first movies to mention the CIA mm-hmm. by name. They have the ability to alter the news. You know, they, they frame the news story such that mm-hmm. uh, it's, they, you know, but the Cary Grant character is blamed. Right. I think that's Project Mockingbird, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's the, the mainstream news now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we live in Mockingbird 2.0. Yeah. Um, but there's all kinds of crazy stuff. But I mean, he, he the, his stuff was apparently studied by the Tavistock Institute because of the mm-hmm. effects upon the audience. You know, people are like screaming, running out of psycho, right? And so yeah. if you study psyops, you, you're interested in that for a, a military purpose. Right. Well, it's also his form of cinematography and the camera angles mm-hmm. that he used, too. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of uh, interesting, you know, besides the uh, the actual script. I always found it very uh, intriguing of, you know, right. how he and did then- things. In uh, Spellbound, you have uh, Salvador Dali designing the dream sequence, which is, you know, it's really esoteric sort of all-seeing eye imagery, and that's because the there's an influence of German expressionism and uh, Satanism and so forth, and I mean, German expressionism was consciously uh, satanic in its in its influence. So Hitchcock, I think, draws from a lot of wells, but recurring theme is personalities that's something that, that you see consistently in Hitchcock movies uh, yeah. Spellbound I'm mean, excuse me uh, Strange on a Train uh, Psycho right. uh, Vertigo North by Northwest they all have this theme of the double um, <laughs> so oh Marnie that's another very important Hitchcock movie that gets forgotten uh, Marnie has undergone uh, trauma based mind control and so she yeah. has these triggers that flash her back to, you know, childlike state. Yeah, I was just thinking and, of Marnie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I mean, it, it is it is trauma based mind control, and the I mean, half the movie is her being triggered. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just saw Split, by the way, which is like holy cow, holy cow. <laughs> it's like oh wow. really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole movie. Clyde Lewis and I are going to hopefully see it next week, early next week, and maybe do a show on it. Yeah, well, I'm writing analysis presently. So so perhaps we can have you on, you know. That would be perfect, yeah, because it ties into my books. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. Uh, So much to talk about. So many movies. Yeah, yeah, it, it's never ending. Um, but I, I tied the uh, 
the North by Northwest chapter into I kind of go into Wag the Dog, which I think is an important one because you've got, uh, you know, the, the ability to fake a war. Right. I mean, and how relevant is that to to fake news? Right. This whole faux controversy that the establishment has created in the last few months, you know, saying they're going to crack down on uh Websites and actually, the uh, that professor Melissa Zimdar, who created this list of the supposed fake news sites, uh, you know, she had 21st Century Wire on there, which I, I write for. So mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, directly implicated <laughs> in her list of fake news that went out to yeah, all these yeah. different mainstream outlets. Aren't, and aren't you special? Huh? Well, I'm not saying it was directed directly at me. I'm just saying that I know, I, I know. I took it personally yeah. because I write for 21 Wire. Well, I like Pat sure. Pennington. Well, just just hear that. Just stay away yeah. from veterans. Was a veterans today? <laughs> stay yeah, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of bogus uh, alternative media out there, but 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 she was making this list for the mainstream news. Is the mm-hmm. thing right? So. Point being, just that you know, to, the irony here is that we're talking about fake news, and then mm-hmm. you go watch a movie like Wag the Dog, and a total revelation of the method they show you how they fake the news. The establishment exactly. that is. <laughs> so, did you ever watch Rubicon? I did. I, in fact, uh, I really like that series, and uh, yeah, you've got this uh, NGO operation that is totally a cia front i mean how how more obvious can that be yeah and it's it's can and they're they're taking all the documentation that they produce and it's going back to you know a round table like six guys sitting around a table and they're manipulating uh you know foreign policy and world events to better themselves exactly yeah that's probably why that only lasted one season (laughs) yeah i actually i have a there one of our listeners is after me to do a a rubicon show so Mm. in the next podcast or two i'm gonna do rubicon with uh with ron because like the guy who was the showrunner for rubicon you know his dad was in the cia and Mm -hmm. he had a whole series of fake identities and it's Mm -hmm. crazy Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean that, that one definitely lays it out in terms of the the fronts and and shells and manipulation of like you said foreign policy and the news. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 a must watch for any conspiracy nut. Oh yeah, totally. Because hey real. Jay, um, Jay, I have a, a friend who used to actually write for Paranoia back in mm-hmm. the '90s when I used to write for him. His name is uh, Yuri Del Delbenko. He wrote a book called Hoodwinked, Watching Movies with Eyes Wide Open. Have you ever heard of that? No, I hadn't. Actually, it's really interesting because it's basically something similar to what you put out, but it's, Uh you know, uh, older movies. um, And he kind of gets into, like, what he refers to as poli-sci-fi, you know, political science fiction, Illuminati, mind control, and psyops. So, I mean, I, I'd uh, recommend that you kind of check that out. And, and the uh, book is called Hoodwinked? Yeah, I'll get that. Yeah, it's called Hoodwinked, Watching Movies with wa- Eyes with eyes Wide Open. Okay. And uh, I think it came out sometime back in the late 90s. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I was just all of a sudden it just like came to mind. It's like, whoa. But I mean, yours, your book is much more thorough, but you might want to check that out because okay. it gets into like, you know, pop idolatry and uh, right. sort of the uh, he doesn't really get into esoteric stuff as much mm-hmm. as he gets into, you know, the uh, the psyop aspect of it. Right. Well, from a lot of the feedback, I think what people are really liking is that my my approach was pretty broad spectrum. So I'm, I'm bringing in philosophy. You know, we're talking about Frankfurt School. We're talking about mm-hmm. Platonism. You know, we're talking about all that kind of stuff. And we're yes. talking about, you know, DARPA and transhumanism. And, mm-hmm. and we're talking about, you know, sex parties and uh, you know, masonry and all this kind of stuff. Right. And so, yeah, I really tried to be broad spectrum. And I, I one good selling point too, is that the, uh, the book was actually supposed to be out, uh, in June of last year, mm-hmm. but the publisher felt like I brought in so many ideas and names that mm-hmm. I actually needed to define and explain who a lot of these people are. So I had right. to go and it took me several months go back and write uh, about 50 or 60 sidebars. So it actually becomes kind of a textbook. So you've got oh, yeah. boxes in the book that explain ideas and who these people are. So it makes yeah. it a lot more. So, I mean, the book's 363 pages, but you're actually getting another, you know, 50 pages. Yeah, but, it, but it's so comprehensive because it's like a there's also like a reference guide inside of it. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to get an explanation of what Operation Gladio is, of what the P2 Lodge is, of what yeah. Promis technology is, of, 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 you know, all these different it's people cool. and ideas that are brought in. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are some of the things that have, like, come to fruition over the past few months because of your book, Esoteric Hollywood? I know that there's a possible TV series coming out. Uh, yeah, actually, we that has been greenlit. We're going to do 13 episodes. We're going to film that in February. Uh, so I've been talking to uh, us, Jay Weedner and I, and we're working with a guy who's a two-time Emmy winner. He directed a bunch of award-winning shows for the Travel Channel. Um, mm-hmm. So he's going to be producing it and directing it. Maybe I'm not sure who's directing, but... Uh, co-created Jay Weeder and our co-creators of the show. Mm-hmm. A lot of it will be based on the material that's in the book. Roughly, uh, it'll be called Hollywood Decoded, and I think they want to they want to run those episodes in April. So, mm-hmm. Gaia, Gaia TV is on quite a few, I think, cable and satellite platforms as well as Apple TV and then streaming, kind of like uh, mm-hmm. Netflix. <clears throat> So that has come about, which is really exciting. I, I never would have expected that to happen. Um, Excellent. I'll be on Coast to Coast uh, February 23rd, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of stuff's come, coming together. It's really exciting. I'll also uh, will be published in an academic journal, too. So that surprised me. But uh, Right. Well, it's really good to hear that, you know, a lot of things are, you know, Mm-hmm. coming your way in terms of acknowledgement and, you know, your ability to get this information out, you know, so it's, uh, thanks man. Yeah. Well, it's, like I said, it's thanks to, you know, you guys and Clyde and, um, 
Joseph Rowe and who else? I can't think of everybody. <laughs> Patrick Henningsen and 21st Century Wire and uh, right, all my buddies. So cool. Yeah, it's it's really awesome that you know these things are happening for you, and and appreciate that. Like I always tell people, I'm a huge fan, and you know I think you do really good analysis, and and you're a trip to talk to. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Obviously, I that. this you know this is short form, so it's like, you know, I've been holding myself back, you know, but this. Is... Well, I always feel like I learn from you a lot. You always no. like, yeah, like you're always spitting out this shit I've never heard of. Yeah, so. Starships Invasions, man. I've been wanting to tell you that one for like months. I, I just keep forgetting to tell you. Go check out <laughs> Star- Starship Invasions. Christopher Lee, Robert Vaughn lays the whole. Okay, UFO I'm, right, I'm writing this down. I'm writing this down. The, the Draconians come and they. They abduct this uh, farm uh, farmer, and they have sex with him. And I think, it's, I think it's also called Project Genocide. If you, you know what, you know what, I watched recently that I really, really enjoyed. That I need to do an analysis of. That I think is great now. I didn't like it that much, like when I was growing up watching it. Uh-huh. It's Buckaroo Bonsai. That is awesome. Oh, oh God, yes. Buckaroo, it's filled with stuff. Buckaroo, yeah, Bonsai, it's filled with it. I don't even know what the fuck that's about. <laughs> oh, it's a, Buckaroo Bonsai is about a lot of things. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's basically it's, these reptilians uh, yeah. are taking over, and they set up this oh, man. fascist dictatorship, and... It's it's just bizarre. It's like okay. yeah, you know, you've got the the, the hero uh, uh, Peter. What's his name? Peter Weller. Peter Weller. Yeah, is <laughs> what, he's, a, he's like a neuro. He's a neurosurgeon, and he plays saxophone in a band. Or no, no, he's a, he's a physicist, a neuro, yeah, yeah. a physicist, a neurosurgeon, a sa- uh-huh. a samurai, and and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and he plays guitar in a in a rock band, Bucker Banzai and the uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers. Wow, multifaceted individual. And and, and uh, you 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 also have the uh, the the Jeff Goldblum character. Yes, uh, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum uh, mysteriously uh, mysteriously shows up in a cowboy outfit. Yes, no Pecos explanation. Bill. Oh, he's not Pecos Bill. He's uh, Rawhide. No, Rawhide's yeah. the other guy. I forget now, but and actually, <laughs> interesting thing about Buckaroo Bonsai, there was a sequel plan called Buckaroo Bonsai versus the World Crime Syndicate. Yes, I've heard that. Right. Yes, and they 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 never got the traction to actually make the movie. But to this day, Peter Weller says that if they can pull it off, that he'll come back. <laughs> Even as an old guy, he'll come back and reprise his role as Buckaroo Bonsai. Pretty much everybody. Oh wow, in that it, would be awesome. Yeah, pretty much everybody in it is like, no, we'll all come back to do that one. But they did a series of comic books where they they played right. out the World Crime Syndicate thing, and yeah, it's. I mean, it, the the World Crime Syndicate, like when you hear about what it is, it's uh, it's very like Hawaii Five O, like low fat. Low fat uh-huh. was the bad guy. He was like a Chinese agent, drug drug <clears throat> runner, human trafficker in Hawaii Five O. It's like the way yeah. it's described. It's very like Hawaii Five O. It's it's a trip, but they never made it. Well, so many movies, so, <laughs> so little, little time. time. Well, we've been at it for quite a while now. I think we need to let <clears throat> let uh, Jay rest his brain so that he can make some more uh, film analysis. 
Um, it's been wonderful having you on. Um, please, I hope you'll come back and we can geek out. Sure, man. Yeah, I, I love these kind of free-form movie talks. I mean, it, that's probably the most fun you could have. Oh, yeah. It's it's the best. And But, you know, keep at it, man. I mean, great work. We got to get more of Thank your you. Sh- we got to get more of your shit into paranoia. We really do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, feel free to, to you know lift anything that you want. Put I, it up, put it in there. I will liberally. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't. that's that's been another fascinating hour and thirteen minutes and forty six seconds of of paranoia bullshit. Um, again, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate. You're listening to our podcast and making it semi-successful. Buy some T-shirts. Uh, buy some books. Hey, Ola. Yeah. Hey, Olaf. Can I can I add something? Oh, absolutely. We're freeform. Fuck all that other stuff. So basically, the way I make a living is uh, you if you purchase the book from me, <laughs> and I do oh. sell signed copies. So and and I can ship outside the U.S. So if you go to Jay's analysis, you'll see the tab there. Uh, for getting a signed copy of Esoteric Hollywood, so I would encourage you to do that. And I also offer access to lectures, talks, interviews, and the archives at Jay's Analysis, which is grow- growing to be a pretty, pretty substantial, you know, bunch of interviews and mm-hmm. crazy yeah. shit. <laughs> and and what's that URL again? It's just jaysanalysis.com. Repeat it one more time jaysanalysis.com no apostrophe and fucking go there and buy his book man it's really awesome that's you just need it i it's one of those books you, you just have to have it and it'll be signed i mean it how yeah. much better I, is that i'm holding my signed one right now <laughs> yep i'll i'll draw you a little a little my little pony or yeah i'll, I'll make you I'll, okay. I'll draw you a little uh brony character or something like that yeah I, I have like a uh, an alien. I think it's a gray. On mine. You know what? You know what? Tomorrow I'm gonna go buy another copy, and mm-hmm. I I want a My Little Pony in mine. Yeah. Okay. I'll send you one. I want cool. the I want the Doctor Who My Little Pony. <laughs> Give it up, Olaf. No, That's no, no, enough. no, no. For real. His name is Doctor Hooves. Okay. I'm not. I'm not joking. And he has an hourglass on his butt. I'm not kidding. For real. And he has a scarf and a hat. I'm. I'm not. You know, joking. you're sick. You're sick. I'm sick. Why am yeah, I let's sick? Wrap this up. All right, we're gonna wrap this show. Anyway, thanks That's everybody weird. for listening. Sorry, Jay, I, I left out the URL thing. Um, but thanks for listening. You know, it it, it helps us uh, by you listening and to know you guys are out there. You can find us at paranoiamagazine.com, Paranoia Publishing. Dot com. We're on Facebook, Paranoia Magazine, Paranoia Mag on Twitter. Oh, man. You can email we us. Instagram. Do we have Instagram? Uh, we have Instagram. It's Paranoia Mag, I, I think. I don't know. That's Twitter. Social, That's Twitter. Social social media is tiring. If you go to the website, there's a there's a happy little link to all the that stuff. Okay. And, yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week we're gonna make another one. Uh, I don't know what it's about yet, but Ron and I, I will. Do. Oh, you do? I do. What's it about, yeah. Ron? Oh, Elana Freeland will be on. Oh, the chemtrail book. Yeah. Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. But she's going to talk about her upcoming book about the space fence. The space fence. The DSP space fence. There you go. The one that's that sets off all the time and they fire fire shit from orbit. 
Yep. STS, STS 49? STS 49. I, I don't know. She'll talk about it. She'll, She'll talk it about it. And I'll, yeah. I'll try to remember because I have a shitty memory. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, everybody, uh, you know, be excellent to each other. Ron? Take good care and keep the faith. All right. Keep it real, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com. We are resuming control. For now.